Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FAM, Friends and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I'm joined by the mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. What's up, FAM? Hello. Hey, how we doing? Hey, how's it going? It's going. You know, we just got past some of the holiday season. We're getting ready for the new year. You know, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be the new year. So, you know what? How about this? Hey, everybody. Happy 2020. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, right? That, that's what it is. We are predicting the future, that we're actually going to make it that one more day to 2020. So, Happy New Year to everyone, wherever you are listening to this podcast. It's been wonderful to jump into the new year with you, and uh, we're thankful that you are listening to us uh, as part of one of the first things you do in 2020. Uh, but okay. What's that? Brasky, yes. I have a question. Please. Is January 1st, 2020 the beginning of the new decade? I would, I would assume so, yes. Or do you consider it the end of the decade? Is that what you're saying? Well... The issue is, I believe it is the beginning of the decade, and I've always believed that zero, like the 2000s and the 2010, is the beginning. But someone pointed out to me today, and it's made me very sad, so I must point out to all of you, there was no year zero. Well, yeah. That just all sense. of time did not start at the year zero, so the new decades cannot start on the 10s. See, they have th to start on the 11th. This is where I'm going to jump on you on this one, is the fact that I think that we can consider zero the beginning because at the time that there was no year zero, the concept of zero really was kind of a new thing. The idea of, well, like, no. nothing was, like, was, was, not, was still kind of being forged on the idea that, like, there could be a zero. Like, Nicol Bola <laughs> shows up and says, I'm going to turn everything into oblivion. Everyone's like, well, what's oblivion? <laughs> We don't know what oblivion Nicole is. Nicholas was not around back then. I can tell you that much. It's it's not about whether they had the concept of zero. I'm just saying that like when time started, they were in their first year. So here's here's a question I have. Right, a baby is not like zero years old. It is though. If, if I ask isn't you, isn't it zero years old? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you count it by like days at that point, right? Yeah. But okay, here, here's my question for you then. Okay. If I ask you about something that came out in the year 2000, right? Yeah. Would you say that that was in the 90s? No, I I don't <laughs> believe this. I'm just telling you what I was told, and now I don't know what to do with my life. Well, actually, it's probably like day three. It's true. It's day Depending one. Depending how fast you guys are at editing. Well, yeah, it's probably day three at that point. Maybe it's day two. Who knows? But it's going to be a new day. And it's going to be a great day because we have wonderful things to anticipate leading up to Theros Beyond Death in Magic the Gathering. But before we get there, no matter whether or not this was your first day playing Magic, your first minute, or your 57th year playing Magic the Gathering, even though it's not that old, how was your week in Magic so far? Sean, I'm going to start with you. How was your week in Magic, my friend? <clears throat> yeah, so my week in Magic didn't really actually have a lot of Magic in it. I guess I've have been testing some legacy and modern this week with some friends. I have a team tournament coming up, so I was, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I've just been testing that. I uh, started streaming a lot over the last week, um, so that took up a lot of my free time. But uh, the next week or so in Magic will be really fun for me, so I'm looking forward to that. So just starting off streaming for your very first time, what has been one, what's, what's been your most favorite part of streaming, one, and two, what was something like you hadn't anticipated? Like, oh, I'd never even thought about that for the next time I stream. <laughs> the hard part is how much am I supposed to talk when no one's watching? Because <laughs> there was a point where like I had like one viewer or like I had I had at most I think I had eight people in my chat at one time, so that was pretty cool. But then it was like down to one or zero, and I'm like, ah, how much am I supposed to talk to myself? So I couldn't really figure that one out. Uh, I am really excited because I want to get to a point where. Um, people vote on what I play, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. Sean, I can tell you, as I, I stream quite a bit, um, if you don't enjoy talking to yourself, it's going to be real tough sometimes. All right, that's good, because I do like talking to myself, but sometimes I talk really weird. So You know, for the most <laughs> I mean, part... that's all in the fun. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you can sit there and be like, well, what, it's a, I, what do I do if I talk and nobody's listening? Just think about what it's like being on this podcast. Boom! Roasted. Oh! Roasted. <laughs> Got him, Coach. Our tens of viewers will be offended. <laughs> oh. oh, but Brasky, okay, did did anyone know that Brasky found out who my spy was? That was pretty fun. 
This I did not true. know that he found out your spy. This is true. Yeah. I, I would. I was always under the assumption I knew who the spy was going to be. The mole revealed himself. Yeah, it's great. I for for those that don't know, I've been claiming that I I listen to the podcast to tell whether or not Brasky plays cool music when I request it, but really I wasn't listening. Ryan was just telling me whether or not it happened, and then Brasky found out. Uh, apparently you did play some cool music for the last uh, segment, so that's cool. Of course I did. And, of course, she's talking about Ryan MTG uh, as, as you know, they go by uh, in most of the Internet circles that I know. But they sit there and listen to the podcast. And really, I'm not even sure if they enjoy the content. They're really just kind of gathering <laughs> intel really and then reporting back oh. to Caroline about what they have so that she has more intel when she comes <laughs> back into the podcast. I'm also the, of the opinion that Ryan MTG is not one person. Because no one person is like that useful, like <laughs> so they like showed up in my chat for like my my stream and like my right. my stream like instantly got like a million upgrades and I was like, I'm pretty sure like one person does something and they like leave and they come back and it's just a bunch of different people all under the name Ryan MTG. Okay, well going down this rabbit hole even further, Ryan MTG actually built me a uh, robot for my Discord and my stream, and so it is possible that Ryan has replaced himself with the robot. That would make and sense. Yeah, and that it's not actually a person, it's just Moosebot. We're not even sure if it's Ryan anymore. It might just be the computers taking over at this point. Yeah, I, maybe I should like do a check-in or something. I don't know. I have it on good authority through my own spies that Ryan MTG is actually just four otters in a trench coat. Not three. Nope, four. They, they, they stacked on top four. of one another. They put a hat on, they put the trench coat on, and then they start typing on the internet as Ryan MTG. <laughs> love it, love Speaking it. Speaking of which, new magic card. If this comes out in the spoilers, I'm, I'm going to be super happy. Someone needs to make a magic card, otters in a trench coat. There's an eternal deck building card. Some There's three yetis in a tw- trench coat, but I don't know what it's called. Let me Google it. Um, I hope its name is Three Yetis in a Trench Coat. No, it's something. It's very close to that. Let me see. <laughs> it didn't come up with Yetis in a Trench Coat, Eternal Deck Builder. Hold Ooh. on. I hope you Googled Yetis in a Trench Coat and you just found pictures of Yetis. There is one from Mystery Boosters uh, from the playtest cards, and it is Five Kids in a Trench Coat. It is two and a white for a <gasps> one five creature human citizen. Five kids in a trench coat counts as five creatures for spells and effects that count the number of creatures you control. Okay, that one's great. And I found out the eternal one is called Justa, comma, regular Jotun. <laughs> so it's like just a regular Jotun, which I think is what they call the Yetis. Gotcha. It's very funny. And probably funnier if I could pronounce all of those things correctly. I, I love the art on five kids in a trench coat. <laughs> Yeah, that might be something I'll have to post to the show notes. I just posted the link to the art, and it's pretty hilarious. Where are the other two kids? They're the feet. They're the feet. Yeah. Yeah, they're hiding out. They're holding up the arms. That doesn't seem very helpful in any way. <laughs> I mean, it's well, terrible the for their back. arms are not long enough to be arms. Well, hold, okay, hold on. You have to post this image in the show notes. Where are the arms coming from if they're not long enough? They're under the trench coat. Yeah, the arms are, are fake, but they're being arms? controlled like puppets from the people below. Obviously, Caroline. The kids being... have arms. <laughs> but they yeah, have but have you seen, Well, if you have a six foot tall person, you can't have the top person have. You can't have the person have like they got tiny wingspan. Yeah, they got Wait, tiny arms, the but they have two kids doing. They don't. They could just control the arms. You they're holding up the structural integrity of the rest of the body. They are they are they're they're load bearing children. That's what they are. They, I they're they weight bearing. The rest of the body. Well, they are the rest of the this body, is but great then the podcast arms. material to look at an image. So please put a discri- disclaimer that you have to be looking at the image while I get really upset that there are five kids in this trench coat. It's true. Thank goodness also this didn't make it past playtesting. I said also their kids. They didn't think this through. They just like put on the trench coat and they were like, oh crap, we need arms. It's true. It's like us with this podcast. We don't think this through. <laughs> no, we don't. Okay, can I talk about why we can magic it? Yeah, no. Yeah, speak, go ahead. How, what did you think through this week when it came to magic? Oh, hey, wow. Good job. You look, You sounded very upset about doing that transition. <laughs> like you're meeting your contractual obligations to make as many transitions as possible. Yeah, pretty much. My week in magic was filled or is filled or is currently filled with so much arena and 
can't tell if I am happy about it or upset about it. Probably mostly upset about it. I started in gold. Yeah, I started this week off in gold. I made it to platinum. And then last night I made it through platinum to diamond. And I'm currently at diamond two. And the season ends in like 18 hours from now. So it will, be over, it will all be over by the time this podcast comes out. And so I still have to make it from Diamond 2 into Mythic and then from Mythic up the ladder in 18 hours and what, sleep at some point. And what deck are you using for that? Please tell me Azorius Control. So the two decks that I've made, so most of gold and a lot of negative progress in platinum was done with green-black adventures, like Kavartek's list. And then eventually I reached an impasse and I switched to Simic Flash, and that got me through almost all of uh, Platinum, from Plat 4 to Plat to, to Diamond. And then in Diamond, things were weird. Like, there were some weird decks in Diamond. Like, there was a ton of Mill, and then, like, Mono White. And, uh, it was just weird. So I actually switched to Red Green, which is a Gruel deck that top eight at the uh, Portland GP. And then... When that started to teeter out a little bit, I switched back to blue-green flash. And so I would say the two decks that have made the most progress is blue-green flash. Uh, I used Alan Wu's deck from the from Portland and then the Gruel deck, which is mostly just Frank Carson's deck. I used his cyborg guy too. The big question I have is how can you live with yourself after playing blue-green flash so much? You know, I got out I got out of bed today the same way anyone else does, but I did feel a little sad about it. Like six episodes ago, didn't Caroline say she hated the flash deck? Yes, yeah, I do hate the flash deck. <laughs> it does have no. Well, the, that was the old version. The uh, old version did of. have no good cards. It did trade that's a two-one with flash for Nissa, so that's a Whoa, good. Oh, spectral upgrade. sailor! All right, that's a good magic card. All that right? was the worst one. <laughs> I, I, I had left matches just. Like so angry after that blue green flash. So I hope. Actually, I will tell you, I've had a lot of like scoop very early because it's so late in the season. I assume people are all kind of in the same mindset that I'm at, and so like there is a you get a lot of early concessions when you play a frustrating deck like blue green flash. A lot more than you get playing like regular decks like green black, because the green black they kind of want you to for some reason they want to make you do it. They want to make you kill them. Oh yeah, you I mean play I'm... my John Cat deck. No, People can see it all I the can't. time, really early, all the time. I like there's like games where I just go cat oven oven and people just concede. Yeah, and it's like I this is yeah. turn two, the game's over. I've played a little bit of cat in like my platinum four slumps, and I didn't make enough progress. Like the issue is there's you you can't auto pass with that deck. Like you have to do stuff on your opponent's end step, so you have to click through all of their things. So you're like you're kind of wasting seconds every time you have to wait to decide if their thing resolves. Whereas at least in my blue green flash deck, I can click through my own turn <laughs> and then like watch them cast spells and then do something. It's like a little different. The, the junk food deck, you have to just constantly be paying attention. Also the, yeah. the space bar is your friend in those situations. So you don't have to always be like clicking, yeah. clicking, clicking. Yeah, it's true. But I've clicked through some, I have space bar through some dangerous things. I'm one of those people that like I won't like I will auto concede at this point to those decks because I don't want to play against them. But I, I always think in my head when I played a deck like that and people concede like oh they must be auto tilting and things like that. And when I see that deck now, I just it's just me just going you know what? No, not today. I'm going to move on and I'm going to take the next deck. You can have your win. I don't want to talk to you today. You can go do your thing. Well, I would really like the next one, two, three, four, five, six opponents to do that. And then I can be in Mythic. Then I can go to bed and wake up tomorrow morning and just play as much as possible and see what happens. Darn right. Yeah, the thing about the, the blue-green flash deck, though, is that before that, before rotation, the deck I had to play against was just mono-blue. And mono-blue was just always sitting back and like, I'm going to jump out and throw this at you. And at some point after the rotation, someone goes, you know what I love? driving people crazy with mono blue. But what if we took the mm -hmm. worst parts of blue and added the worst parts of green and made one big, horrible deck out of it? <laughs> wow, Brasky, you're catching on. <laughs> Good job. Slowly but surely. Eric, how about you? How has your week been? Um, well, I ventured into uh, Sean's world 
and uh, went to Moto. And well, he doesn't play Moto, but I play Moto and uh, played a ton of Pioneer. And uh, because uh, one of my friends was thinking about going to Phoenix and playing some of the LCQ. So I might do that with him. Um, and then obviously, the, I believe the Grand Prix is also uh, Pioneer. So if I if I don't qualify via the LCQ, I'll play in the Grand Prix. And it's a weird world in Pioneer, kind of all over the place. And uh, played a bunch of like combo decks, and some of them were good, some of them were bad. But what what I kind of found out is like, you should probably just play something a little more focused. So I might like kind of take a step back as, after learning the rules of of Pioneer, um, and like what you can and can't play. And, um, and just like find a deck and have hopefully have it, you know, kind of tuned by the time that 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 comes around. Can we just clarify? This is the the sentences that you said. Yeah, I I decided to be Sean, so I played Moto. Well, Sean doesn't play Moto, but I play Moto. No, I said I, I ventured into Sean's world, meaning Pioneer. Right, but <laughs> because... at no point did you say that. At least for the first three sentences, maybe more. Well, yeah. My mind goes crazy places. I loved it. I loved it. So, Sean, have you given any thought to the fact that if you're playing Pioneer in Phoenix, that you should just play a Phoenix deck? <laughs> uh, one of the decks I'm thinking about playing, if blue-white... Okay, first, backing up a little bit. The blue-white mirror is miserable, and I don't want to do it all the time, even though I love playing blue-white. One of the decks that I would play that isn't blue-white is the Phoenix deck. And I just need to test it a little bit more. So, question for you. Yeah. I believe that all blue-white players <laughs> pride themselves in playing the mirror. Yeah. Why Why is the mirror so miserable? Okay, so there's this little card named Teferi Time Raveler that makes the mirror awful. Just awful. The mirror used to feel so skillful, and now it just... Doesn't feel like that anymore. To fairy time rattler just makes things so awkward and and annoying. I mean, like I I don't if I have to play blue white mirror, I'm not going to be like Tron mad at my opponent, but like it's whatever. It's just not very fun. Look, playing blue white control against anybody but blue white control is like going up to someone who's not prepared for a staring contest and saying, "Hey, quick staring contest." And then they usually, because they're not prepared, they blink and you win. Yeah. And then you meet someone that's like, hey, staring contest. And someone goes, oh, I do these all the time. And then you're stuck in an actual staring contest. And next thing you know, you're both sitting there. You're looking across at your opponent. No one's really done anything for the last however many minutes. And you're just wondering who's going to blink first. And then when someone drops to fairy down, that's basically them just like taking a can of compressed air and blowing it in your face when they drop to fairy. Also... One of the things that's people play in the mirror. Do you know the? Do you remember the card Sphinx of the Final Word, Hawk? I do. Okay. That's uncounterable. <laughs> that, yes, that's a card that I've had to play against in more than one blue-white mirror, and that's just cards like that are just so ham-fisted. I really dislike it. It's another reason I don't like the blue-white mirror because when blue-white players start putting cards like that on their sideboard, it just makes the mirror just awful because then it just becomes all about that card. And to fairy. You could play with uh, Emrakul or Ulamog. I, You'll eventually get there. I'm like this close to playing one Emrakul of the Promised End in my sideboard just because it's good in the mirror and I can just bring it in in the random mid-range matchups. I like that. I like that. You know, as much as people uh, like to poo-poo on Teferi Time Reveler, um, I had a wonderful Teferi experience this past week in Magic the Gathering. So after the holiday was finished... Um, one of the gifts that I got was basically a friend's like, hey, you like magic. So they gave me a War of the Spark pre-release, like a sealed War of the Spark pre-release. I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, I, 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 it's, I can open up some packs and actually try to see like what kind of sealed deck would I make and all that kind of stuff. So I get my War of the Spark pre-release. I open it up. I get my six packs. But then I check the, uh, the pre-release foils that I get. And I didn't realize that you got two of them in a War of the Spark thing. So I looked at the first one, and it was a foil pre-release Karn's Bastion the land that just gives you a colorless mana and for four mana you can proliferate. And I was like, oh, that's fine, I guess. That like, that's, cool. that, that's my card. And then I turned it over and didn't realize you get a second card. And that second card was a foil pre-release to Fairy Time Reveler. And I was like, oh, okay, well this, yeah, okay, that's, I'll take, yes, I will take that, absolutely. And It's uh, a sign. It's a sign, it is. So I have this 
awesome foil pre-release to Fairy Time Reveler. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll sell it and get some store credit somewhere at like my local game store or something like that, or maybe I'll hold on to it, maybe try to build my first actual like paper deck. Uh, we'll see where we go with that, but that was fun. It was cool, and then I opened up a bunch of packs and tried to decide what I wanted to make. Uh, I ended up making like a blue-green splash-white proliferate deck with Teferi Time Reveler and a Johnny the Great-Hearted and a bunch of other different stuff, and I was like, okay, well, this could be something that I would maybe put together, and it was a lot of fun just to uh, go through the limited cycle of just putting a deck together, looking at the different things I could do. Uh, it was a fun little game. It was kind of like playing like playing Solitaire or something like that. I just got to make a sealed deck, go through the process of it. Kind of as a newer player, that was cool for me just to go through and be like, what are the different decks I could make? And then settle on one and then you know share it with somebody and get their opinion on it. That was my fun thing. Well, whether you got foil pre-release uh, to fairies or whether or not you are enjoying the realms of Pioneer, or whether or not you really are playing Magic as five kids in a trench coat, there will be plenty to do, no matter the format, after we get the new set, which is Theros Beyond Death, which comes out uh, right around uh, mid mid to late January. But there's already been a bunch of spoilers that have come out, uh, that have come out for that set, which I think we'll share a little bit, kind of which, which card so far we, we really like, or maybe there's a mechanic we want to talk about. But before we get there, you know, as a newer player to this, I want to talk to y'all. And, and Conan Hawk, I'll start with you. Give me a little bit of background on Theros, what it is, and, and some of the other sets that came out that revolve around the, the plane of Theros. So the last time we were in Theros, uh, it was, like, pretty interesting. That was the, the first time we got the Temple Lands or the Scrylands. Um, you saw a couple, or we have five of those in standard currently. Um, and, um, we'll actually kind of get into that a little bit later, but we, we might be seeing some more of them, uh, coming up. Uh, the other thing that we also saw was enchantment based creatures, um, as Theros was like a, an enchantment based set. So you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of like enchantments. Um, you're going to see like your, your disenchants, your, um, you know, that type of effects go up in value, um, it's going to be like a really interesting world of gods and uh, and enchantment creatures is kind of what it was, basically. Um, you also got to like interesting creature types like satyrs. Um, and as this one is alluding to, you'll see a lot of like the underworld or graveyard theme based cards. Nice. And there is like some cool uh, themes and mechanics that go uh, along with this. Some of them are returning things like constellation and uh, the idea of devotion. Uh, is going to be really, really cool to see. And those who don't know, something like devotion is like all the colored mana symbols equal essentially your devotion to that color. Uh, but there is a new mechanic that's in there as well, which, uh, Caroline, I think that's something that you might have been a little intrigued on. But why don't you talk about uh, that new mechanic and maybe if there's a card or something that you're really looking forward to uh, in Theros Beyond Death. So yeah, the, new, the newest mechanic that I've seen in the spoilers is called Escape. And it basically is so it has some sort of mana cost and then it usually asks you to exile x number of cards depending on the card itself so i've seen numbers as low as two or three and as high as eight um from your graveyard and then you can replay whatever that card is it's i've seen it on instance i've seen it on creatures uh i haven't seen it on other permanents like enchantments and stuff but i'm not i mean i could just be wrong oh well, that's a creature, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know. It looks like it's something that's going to appear on a lot of things. A lot of people have described it as flashback, but you can do it continuously. Um, and what that means is the old flashback mechanic had you exile the card. It was actually only on instant sorceries, I think. It had you exile the card and then do whatever the ability was. Whereas escape is actually, because it's on creatures, and in some cases instance, uh, you're you actually bring it back into the onto the battlefield or you know onto the stack and then once it resolves or dies it goes back to the graveyard so that escape mechanic can only be done in the graveyard is still happening over and over and over again um, it doesn't have any sort of exiling of itself it does ask you to exile other cards so in theory you can't go but there are a lot of talks about how it's like kind of the, the broken version of flashback and flashback is already broken uh, I'm just curious to see on what level, what power level the cards will be on. So Elspeth is the highest power level. Uh, there was a new mythic today, a red mythic that had it. So I'm just curious to see, like, will it break standard as everyone is worried about it doing? Um, 
or will it be a balanced and wonderful place for us all to be? So if there was one card that you uh, are looking forward to or the one thing that intrigues you the most, which card would that be? Uh, I don't know if intrigued is the right word because I'm actually kind of nervous. The newest card that I saw today that's like pretty terrifying, uh, it's Underworld Breach. So it's a one, a a colorless and a red, uh, so two mana. It's an enchantment, sort of. It is an enchantment, but it's like a weird card. It says each non-land card in your graveyard has escape, which is the kind of rebuy effect. The escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost, plus you have to exile three other cards from your graveyard. So it's basically saying that any card in your graveyard has this new escape mechanic, and tacked onto that is the number three. So you have to exile three cards. Uh, And then it does say at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice underworld breach. So it's not... and. When I said enchantment, kind of, it's it doesn't stick around. It's not a forever card, but it's still pretty powerful. I, I think it could either be really cool and people are like, wow, this is awesome. So glad they made this. Or, you know, in six months from now, we're looking at the ban list and this card is on it. I, I really don't know. I, it's going to be pretty tricky. So I just, after you had read, like, read off the card, I just realized that Two mana was the exact cost of Snapcaster Mage. Not a hundred. Obviously, this isn't Snapcaster Mage power level, but two mana for this kind of effect is like pretty messed up. I bet. Yeah. So the things I've been seeing, like in my very small amount of like look people's reaction to this, um, is two mana has come up a lot. Um, the effect of red, like red, does not usually get this effect. It does in some contexts, but not. Not usually in such a non-land like style. Like the fact that this has no restrictions for your graveyard other than non-land is very strange. Like it's not instant or sorceries, it's not creatures, it's just anything. And I think that's what has people a little taken aback. Like red is usually quite a restricting color. Like it says they have all these cool powerful effects, but they're usually on one certain type of card. And so for it to have no type is pretty crazy. Um and then for the escape card, just to be the CMC is definitely different to all the other escape cards that we've seen. Because a lot of the escape cards that we've seen, um, very similar to the flashback, usually the escape cost is a lot more than the original card. Um, because in theory, you're doing it over and over again. So there's just some concerns I saw. Like, I think I saw someone talk about, I think, the Lotus. Uh, some One sort of artifact that sacked itself. In theory, you could keep doing it over and over again. Like I mean, in other one. in other formats, you can do some crazy stuff, right? Yeah, that in other formats like Legacy, you could use this with Lion's Eye Diamond. Yes, that's what uh, it was. Which, it was Lion's Eye Diamond. But yeah, I don't know. It's gonna. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't know if it's really gonna break standard per se. This is more of the card where it it could accidentally break, like Legacy or Vintage. I mean. Giving cards this kind of effect from your graveyard historically has just always been powerful. So yeah, I would agree that this will probably do something. I'm just not 100% sure what yet. Yeah. Like, I bet it's basically Yagma's Will, but free, I guess. It, well, I, I mean, guess Yagma's Will is free, but... Yeah, Yagma's Will is like... I mean, Yagma's Will, you don't have to exile three cards per card, right? So, like, that's, that's like where true. it's kind of messed up. Like, yeah. But uh, one of the things I should have went over when I was explaining the set a little bit is and it came up with this card is that the one reason that there is so many enchantments in the set is because of devotion right so the reason that this card is not a sorcery uh in my opinion is because it adds a red pip on the battlefield so you actually get the red you get like if you have you know um something that checks devotion you will have the enchantment in the battlefield and that's the reason why like the enchantment creatures last time and you saw like a downtick in like artifacts that didn't have man or uh colored symbols and you saw a downtick in like spells because you wanted you were encouraged to play a lot more to the battlefield because you wanted those uh those mana symbols all right well that, that's a cool thing i forgot about that i will say that this is a bit of a tangent but i will say that i really like that sagas are back i thought sagas was one of the coolest uh newish cards in the last two years or so and it seems like just based on what uh eric said it does seem to fit really well with theros and enchantment based 
uh, stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a big okay. fan of that as well. It's one of those things where um, I enjoy, at the very least, like even from your opponent's perspective, you play a saga and they go, okay, like obviously something happens now, but I can try to do my best to plan around what happens on chapter two, chapter three, and so forth of that saga. And in some cases you can plan around it and kind of there's this cool counterplay between the two. And in some places it's just a ticking time bomb. I just know that in two turns, something terrible is going to happen <laughs> to me if I'm the opponent. If I'm the one playing, I'm like, something awesome is going to happen in two turns. I kind of liked that uh, that spot as opposed to just being blindsided by some broken mechanic or broken thing. Yeah, and I think it's actually going to play kind of weird. Like, as much as it's cool that there are enchantments, it is going to be a little weird because, like, there'll be turns when your gods are turned on and then your sagas will pop off and then your gods won't be on again. You'll be like, oh, shoot it. Like, it will require a, a lot of constant check of, like, hey, does my gods have enough devotion? Which I guess would be now a good time to talk about the gods. Yeah, if you want to go ahead with the gods. Well, I don't you you really... seem very excited about the gods. I think I really liked the gods from the last uh, Theros. I thought they were really cool. Um, it was the first time, you know, it was a creature, but not a creature at the same time. And it's just pretty interesting. Like, the so removal works on it at all times just for creature is that correct no uh, no it has to be okay so the the ruling for the way that they work is when they're on the stack they are a creature so okay. you couldn't like negate it if you don't have devotion that's, that's but once they're in play they're treated whatever they are so if you don't really? have devotion okay. they're an enchantment and if you do have devotion they're an enchantment creature okay okay so you can't so if you don't have devotion you can't murderous rider it well, they're always right. indestructible, too. Well, yeah. that's well, a good counterpoint to that. Yeah, but um, if you had, like, exile target creature, you couldn't do it unless your devotion was an, enough to make them into uh, a creature. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, none of them stick out great to me. Like, they all seem medium to medium minus, but uh, I'm excited to see how they go, for sure. I'm excited to see Thassa. Last time Thassa was in standard, she was really good. She hasn't been spoiled um, yet, right? No, the, the green, the black, and the red one have been spoiled so far. And this Erebos is kind of... I actually think this Erebos might be playable. Four uh, mana? It's Yeah, it's the four mana, five, six. And then yeah, um, when a creature dies, a you lot. can... Yeah, but I mean... Maybe. It depends on probably how this is four mana. The last Erebos cost three, I think, right? I think it was two yeah. and black. Um, it was, no, it was... It, the last Erebos cost four. Did it? Um, okay. it, yeah, it was your opponents couldn't gain life, and then you could yeah. pay a uh, black and a colorless and draw card, and yeah. something else. Yeah, that card was really bad for me. <laughs> well, Sean, what uh, card? What card of the set are you looking forward to? Um, so the one that I think will probably be the best, it'll probably be a big player. Will be Grey Merchant of Asphodel. I kind of forgot that card was uh, reprinted until about forty-five seconds ago, after relooking through the spoilers. Um, so we were kind of talking about a bunch of cool things that you can do with it. That card was so good and standard. There's going to be some deck with it, I'm sure, this time around. Um, and then the card that's really near and dear to my heart are the Thirst for, like, this one's called Thirst for Meaning. So, like, the draw three, discard two, unless you discard a certain card. So, like, um, Oh, wait, for, what's um, that one? Thirst for oh, Meaning. Thirst for Meaning. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we have Thirst for Knowledge, which was draw three, discard two, unless you discard an artifact. Wow. Then there was what was the other one? Compulsive research, which was draw three, discard two, unless you discard a land. Um, I don't know. There was probably a creature one, but it was probably unplayable, and I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I really like those kinds of cards. Sorry. Yeah, I do like things like that 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 continue yeah. a cycle that wasn't a cycle. Yeah. So the first thing that pops into my mind is like. The, this might get played in like fires of invention just obviously discarding like an extra fires along the way would be kind of cool um so it also being an instance uh pretty nice so i mean it might get played it might not but i always love really bad draw spells so this one might be playable even so that's even more exciting i like it Conan Hawk, what about you um so i'm gonna get to my card really quick here but i did want to talk about the gods really quick or two gods in particular uh, just as like a very quick uh, insert here. Um, I think I, t I told Caroline the green black adventure deck needed somewhere to sink its mana. And I think that the the green god Nylea might be a good spot. 
it has an ability where it's uh, two colors and a green and reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature, you put it in your hand. It's not necessarily like the best thing, uh, but it is somewhere to sink your mana. And then the other one, since Sean brought up fires, was the red god, um, Perforos, where so it's a five mana, seven, six. Um, and then other creatures you control have haste and you can pay a red and, oh. two and put a yeah. red creature or artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. And then you can so you basically you can attack with it right away. Oh, so, shoot. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. So you can use this with insane. like, um, well, Perforos plus the red elemental plus um, the fires is five devotion, right? Right. So you can give the Perforos haste and then you can put extra copies of stuff in your into the battlefield um with its ability right as long as they're artifact or, or uh red so you can't do it with like the blue elemental but maybe there's just some changing a little bit that's going to go yeah, on maybe with it. maybe there's just not the blue one in the deck like yeah maybe you don't play blue so the card draws really good that's actually super interesting because like speaking of decks that need mana sinks the fires of invention deck has always needed some sort of sink once yeah and i mean that's the reason why they get to use the scrylands and kethis and or not kethis uh kenrith <laughs> what a different deck yeah uh, we play a little sweet. too much pioneer i am but, excited cool. oh god sorry uh, i was gonna say but my favorite card is woe strider it is a uh black and two colorless or two in uh generic i should say it is a three two horror when it enters the battlefield you get a zero one goat so brad nelson will be very happy that his token gets to be played once again um, and then it has an ability where you can sacrifice a creature to scry one. And then it also has the escape mechanic for three black black. You can exile four other cards from your graveyard. And when you escape or when it escapes, it gets two plus one plus one counters on it. So it becomes back as a five four when you escape with it. Um, one of the things that I've always been saying is that I really, really want like a free repeatable sacrifice outlet for a lot of the decks that I want to brew with. Um, and I never thought I was going to see one again, to be honest. And uh, this just has it. And Scrying One is pretty huge. And there's like a lot of things that you can use with this, like either Cruel Celebrant or Mayhem Devil. Um, as long as you can just like get your board kind of wide or have, you know, creatures that come back out of the graveyard, something like Cauldron Familiar or Gutter Bones or something like that. This card is really, really sweet. And it also works pretty well with the escape mechanic. So pretty excited for this card. One thing I kind of, I, sorry, I, I'm kind of jumping all over this. I want to circle back on Porphyros real quick. One thing that I really like about this card, it being sneak attack on a card, basically, you can put the red pig into play. So, what is that card? Ilharg? Is that the name? Oh, of yeah. Card? Yeah. The so six. You can put Ilharg into play. And then when Ilharg attacks, you can put Emrakul into play. So, get a nice roundabout Emrakul into play. Just wanted to touch on that. That's great. I'm so excited for that to happen in once. I suppose Ilharg is also in standard, right? Is it? Like, that's pretty cool. Okay, well, that might be something we want to be doing. Who knows? Maybe you like put Elharg into play, and then you put some uncastable, like the white double striking like dinosaur into play. Like, I don't know, but me, I'm I'm a dirty, dirty mill player, and I'm a Demir player at heart. So the first time I saw Ashiok Nightmare Muse, I'm like, mm, hello, you, you're you're mine, you're mine now. I'm gonna I'm gonna get four of you. I'm gonna make some sort of Terrible, terrible control deck. Probably Esper, because I've been trying to make Esper work for freaking forever. But I look at that and I just go, yeah, I, I would love to create two, three creatures that you know, whenever they really do anything, they mill your opponent and make them uh, exile the top two. And it's not even get rid of putting it in a graveyard. It's exile and put that away. And then it can do a bunch of other things on top of that. That's the first thing that I saw. And I also love the extended art of it. So that's where I'm coming. I'm coming from the, the Timmy, ooh, this looks really pretty side of things. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, when Theros Beyond Death comes out is I'm going to get a play set of those and I'm going to do something with it that's going to be funky. Does Ashiok uh, exile the cards that it mills? And does it mill? can you mill yourself with it? It's whenever, so you make a 2-3 uh, blue-black nightmare creature token. And then whenever that creature attacks or blocks, uh, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. And so they'll uh, exile. Okay. Yeah. And then their minus three is... One of the things that just... I was going to say, one of the things that just popped in my head was with Thirst for Meaning and all the sagas and stuff. Um, we could definitely see like a Dance of the Mance uh, Esper style deck, right? Because like the sagas do sacrifice themselves to go to the graveyard. They do add something there, the thirst for meaning. So I was thinking if Ashiok could also mill you, um, which unfortunately can't, um, they might like have a home there because 
just like getting rid of all these sagas, like throwing them all away and then just like dancing the man, them all back. And then the sagas all trigger again and do crazy stuff. And so that might be kind of cool. That's true. And the minus three is pretty cool because you can return a non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So either your owner or to your opponents. And then that player has to exile a card from their hand. So if they're low on cards and they play one of their big threats, you can bounce it back to their hand. And if they don't have anything else, they have to get rid of it. Or if you have some type of cool enchantment or artifact or that kind of thing, go ahead, bounce it back to your hand, throw it back out there, and then watch it do some more carnage after that. There used to be, like, a long time ago, there used to be a, a card called Recoil that did, like, the same minus three ability, essentially, but it was a, it was a instant. But you would, you would see those in conjunction with things like... Um, like there was like this rat when it came into play your opponent would discard a card um so now we have uh yarek's familiar we have uh, basilica bell haunt that type of stuff so it's like you would cast it they would discard like their you know their second to last card and then you would activate the ability by or they would discard their last card sorry and then they would you know and then you would bounce it and then you would discard it so i think that's like something that definitely could be like worked around if you're looking to maximize that minus three as like the removal is just like having a little bit of like not necessarily like targeted discard, but you know, a lot of people will start holding a land so that it's like, well, if you ever minus three, I'll discard this land. And you're like, I'll make you discard a card, just whatever it is. And then bounce your, you know, like questing beast or something that you can't kill. I guess you could probably kill a questing beast. So like the great henge or something. Yeah, and if you ever make it to the ultimate, you can, the ultimate's like a, it starts at five loyalty and the ultimate's minus seven. And the minus seven is that you can cast up to three. For some reason they say three, face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana costs. So you've been exiling stuff from your opponent's from your opponent's library, and then if you actually get to the ultimate, you can look at all the exile cards, whether you're playing commander or whatever, you look at all the exile cards and then just cast three of them without paying any of their mana costs. The reason they probably say face-up is because there are some cards like, uh, was the one-mana artifact, um, Bowmat Courier, specifically says exile it face-down. And you can't really look at it. And there's a couple of cards that specifically say exile them face down. Otherwise, they're um, exiled face up. So that's probably why it makes that distinction. Gotcha. And I learned something today. I also think that it's it's kind of interesting that they they made this Planeswalker pretty interesting, even though there's been like this running joke that, you know, um, the Planeswalkers, you know, pl- have like this, uh, what is it, plus one, draw a card, essentially. They're plus one, like this one, it would be a token. Minus three, kill something, which is like its bounce, discard, and then mine, like its ultimate was like win the game. I think this one is a, like a, a in, at least an interesting take on it rather than like something that actually is, you know, that is just that, you know, verbatim over and over and over again. Yeah, it's a decent loyalty for five mana, but at least make something that can protect it. So you might have a chance to get to seven and you're not that far away from seven, as opposed to like some of the earlier Planeswalkers or Planeswalkers that I've seen where it's like either do something really broken right away or do something kind of okay. You know, you're probably not going to make it to your ultimate, that kind of thing. Like if you get to your ultimate, you win the game. Cool. But you need to protect it somehow. Uh, That's kind of the two things I see. And this one kind of, I look at it, I'm like, okay. This looks like it can stick around for a while. And even if I get the ultimate, while it would be awesome, it might not still be game winning for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's super cool. There's a super cool Planeswalker. Like, yeah. Can we talk about my secret favorite cards in the, in this new set? Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. They have really unique titles. I'm going to read them out for you. They are, hold on, I'm scrolling to them. Basic Land Dash Plains. Basic Land Dash Island. Basic Land Dash Swamp. Basic land dash mountain, basic land dash forest. Is this a but new I'm mechanic? Not, this is a new I'm mechanic. I'm not trolling. These are the new full art lands that are going to be in every pack. They're not going to be like in some special thirty thousand uh, dollar a pack. Um, they're in just regular basics. Um, they're very similar to the full art lands of past of the Zendikar block. In terms of how easy it is to get them, they are very different, however, to any land I think that's ever been made. Um, There are very few lands that break what they call the island rule, I think is what it's called. It's basically the idea that, like, the island doesn't actually have an island on it. There aren't that many that do that. And this one definitely does not have an island on the island card. They're, in fact, all very Pokemon-esque. A lot of people are referring to them as the Pokemon basics. Uh, And they look so stunning, and I'm really excited. The one thing that I'm not excited about is in 
um, recent history when they've had full art lands in the packs, uh, they've at, at local FNMs and local tournaments, people take the land out of the pack during the draft and often would leave it on the table. Uh, you know, not right away, the first like two or three drafts, everyone's excited for the basics, but as the set would progress, people wouldn't care that much and they would leave the basics on the table with the tokens. But now that they've changed the rule that you have to draft, you have to keep the basics in the set, in the pack the whole time before while you're drafting. So now I need to decide at what high priority do I draft these basics? So I need to, when I make a draft set order or like an order of draft picks, I need to include the basics in my in my planning. So you're going through just being like, okay, let's rate these cards uh, and what my picks are based off of like strength or tempo or is this a good control card Prettiness. or, ooh, shiny. <laughs> oh man, if it's a foil one, that jumps to the top. <laughs> jumps, if unless we're at some pro tour or GP or something, I'm foil of these lands and I'm I'm in for it for sure. I want to so, know if on Arena, if I draft the basic, will I get the basic? So one of the things I did want to say is somebody brought this up in my chat uh, while I was previewing these lands on Twitch. They they are based off of like some painting, and I've been trying to look it up, and I, I won't be able to find it, but um, maybe one of one of our tens of viewers will know. But it's like actually really cool that they are kind of based off of um, like something that people did about like the heavens, uh, essentially, because we are... For, you know, uh, to compare it to something on Earth would be like the, uh, like Egyptian themed. Um, so um, the art came from something, I guess. I didn't know that. That's cool. And it's something I'm going to so, be looking forward to with everything else that's going to be going on with Theros Beyond Death. And we've spent so much time talking about it that we knew we would spend so much time talking about it that we just kind of wanted to dig in uh, so far because we haven't really talked about the new set yet. And this was kind of a good time for us to do that. Um, but that kind of shifts us away from what we're looking forward to, to talking about what it is we've done uh, to get better at the game. And that's one thing we love to talking about is what are we doing to learning it to, as we say, get lit. And that's the topic for now is what are we doing to get better at the game of magic? And, uh, Sean, Mr. Toolshed, I'd like to start with you. What is the one thing you've been working on to get better at the game of magic so far? So I had touched on it before that I have a team tournament coming up this weekend, so I had done a couple things. I had posed a question like, how do we like work on team tournaments? And so I'm like looking into that. Also, I have been doing leagues with a couple of my teammates that I'll be playing with this weekend in both Legacy and Modern because I haven't really touched either of those formats since Pioneer came out outside of just Columbus, I think. So I'm kind of just revisiting those formats because I haven't been in them for so long. So getting back into the groove of things in modern and realizing that Urza is still just really good and stupid good and the snow control decks are really good. So just trying to get a feel for the formats again to get myself ready for this coming weekend. Nice. Eric, what about you? What are you doing to get better at uh, Magic the Gathering this week? So my next event that is coming up uh, is actually the MCQ on Arena. So um, since I haven't uh, been playing so much Pioneer to like learn Pioneer, I'm going to get back into Standard and just like run myself through a gauntlet of all the standard decks. Um, I feel the most comfortable playing uh, John Cat, but I don't know if that's exactly the best deck currently. Um, heard a lot about like the Fires deck being still really, really good and the uh, Red Black uh, Knights Embercleave deck being really good. So I'll probably give those a run and um, just make sure that I, I have all my bases covered before I decide, you know, maybe John Cat is the best, but. I want to make you know. I want to go in there knowing that I have something really, really good. Awesome, Caroline. What are you going to be doing this week? Uh, assuming that you hit Mythic tonight, uh, what else are you going to be looking forward to cool. doing? Or what's the one thing you're going to be doing to get better at the game? Well, okay. Assuming I hit Mythic tonight, I'll be sleeping, and then tomorrow I'll make a push, and that'll be fun. That being said, if I don't make Mythic tonight and I have to play tomorrow, I can tell you for most of the week to get better at Mythic, I probably won't be playing magic um because i have played a lot of magic uh this is still sort of a holiday week i'm not working tomorrow or wednesday um and then i'll be back in denver on thursday friday so unlikely to be playing a ton of you know non-arena magic um that being said you know getting back to normalities soon and so that means watching a lot more streams and watching um you know following coverage again and stuff and so it'll be pretty normal for me but that is often how it's just watching 
uh, some streamers and watching, paying attention to coverage and playing a little bit myself. My next tournament that I'm working towards is actually going to be a, a Theros pre-release, or not pre-release, well, I might do a pre-release, but it will be a Theros uh, release GP in New Jersey. So that's kind of on my horizon, though a little far away at the moment. I like it. I like it. I'm going to be sitting back and uh, really digging into the Theros Beyond Death spoilers, and I'm going to try and kind of evaluate them myself and what I think is strong and which ones I think are weak and why and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll kind of see the people who actually know what they're talking about and the actual uh, smart players and see how they evaluate them and kind of go, okay, why did they like this one and I didn't? And why do I think this one's super broken and why do most people think that, oh, this is terrible? I get to kind of just test my initial evaluation senses, my evaluation skills of the cards. It's going to be kind of an ongoing thing leading up until, you know, the the set releases and we actually learn what is good and what's not and just kind of see uh, we're were my inclinations correct or uh, were I, was I way off on something? And that's kind of what, uh, that's what I'll be doing this week is kind of digging into the spoiler and finding what I think is going to be uh, the next Oko, the next Broco Oko thing. And the one thing we will know next is where Caroline Kavanaugh will be. And because I've put music to this section now, uh, there will be music for this. And I'm, I'll even do it one better for you, Caroline. I'll give it like this kind of newscasty voice kind of thing to shoot it right over to you. So it's going to be like, okay, here comes the music. And then I jump in with like, and now it's time for Where in Magic is Caroline Cavanaugh with... Caroline Cavanaugh, the Mighty Linguine. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Brasky. Is that what? I don't know. What's your What's your reporter broadcast I, name? Uh, well, I need like a reporter like last name, so we'll just call it um, Brasky Storm Chaser. Yes, Brasky Storm Chaser. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Love it. Uh, so I will say that you know, as of the last time we did this, which was last week, I believe. Uh, there isn't a lot of changes. I mostly posted about January events. And I'll go over the same January events that are coming up. Uh, so the the first GP of the year and the first GP of the new changes, including the fractional invites uh, and qualifying for Series 2, I believe, <laughs> of all of the new players tours is January 10th to 12th in Austin. Which will be pretty cool. Unfortunately, I'm not able to go. It is modern, which is also pretty nice, but um, taking a bit of a. I tend to only do one tournament a month, so that one is not on my list, but it still sounds fun. Uh, the next tournament I could find in terms of Grand Prix, I'm sure I'm skipping a ton of other things, uh, is January 24th in uh, to 26th in New Jersey. Uh, it is the limited uh, release weekend Grand Prix that I talked about, which I'm pretty excited. I've I normally do okay slash better at release weekend events um, compared to other maybe like deeper into the format events for limited so that will be kind of good for me so i'll be there make sure to say hi uh then the following three weekends are filled with players tours events and gps and all of them are pioneers so their january 31st to february 2nd is the european in brussels and that should have a, a gp as well and that's all pioneer uh, then February 1st to 2nd is a player's tour in Asia, uh, in Nagoya, and that will be also Pioneer with a, with a GP, I assume. And then there'll be February 7th to 9th, which is here in North America, and that will be in Phoenix, as I think Sean already mentioned. And that is also uh, going to be Pioneer, and I will also be at that Grand Prix. So really a good little catch-up on where Caroline is going to be, not where she is. Uh, so that's going to be pretty good. Uh, that's kind of all I got. I didn't do any SCG stuff right now. Uh, it's very new into their new season. I actually am not even sure they've announced their structure of their seasons. And I, I haven't followed it too closely. Um, Eric, are they doing a player's championship again? I would assume so. Um, okay. Well, because I haven't this, really looked at it The one that just happened much. was that was the first one in three years. Yeah, I think they announced that it's back now. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was announced or not. Um, so, yeah, those. Uh, I'll start adding those tournaments to the uh, the list of fun things to look out for. 
Nice, nice. Uh, Mr. Toolshed or uh, or Conan Hawk, what are, are you guys going to be looking forward to anything? Are you going to be attending anything in the next uh, month or so? So uh, I will be doing the OCM circuit for the 2020. I did a little bit last year, so I'm going to make a hard push. It's like kind of like the NRG series in Iowa. So I'm going to be doing, or sorry, the, it's good, It's like the NRG series, but it takes place in Iowa. So I'll be doing that. And that's where I'm going to be going next weekend. And then the following weekend, I have uh, modern WNPQ are the preliminary trials. I'm not 100% sure how they work quite yet, but there's two tournaments in the same day the following Saturday that are modern that I'll be playing, hopefully to do well in those, to like qualify for another tournament two weeks later. There's like a whole flow chart. I haven't understood it all yet, but I'm showing up to play in that, and hopefully that goes well too. That's what we need, more flow charts. We need flow charts upon flow charts upon flow charts. There was that sweet flowchart about how to get on like what what all of the events on mtgo arena and in paper magic do and it was beautiful if they could just like um <laughs> if they could just do that for every announcement it would make the announcement so much easier for me to like figure out exactly what was going on because well, like they were like play in this moto event and it gets you here and do this other thing and it gets you there and all this stuff and I was just like I'm not following anything and then there was just this great flow chart <laughs> and then I was like oh this is awesome that is so many fewer words and I know what all these things are yeah the, it was it was just my favorite the the funny thing I think with the flow chart is it it helps you understand things a lot better but it's still just all over the place there's just like literally looking at it there's like probably 17 boxes on here and they're all like pointing at each other and different layers and stuff like that. I think it's just hilarious how it's just just still just a giant mess but I mean it is it is nice that's what we just need to do is just go to people being like well, what do we do next you know what let's go to the chart <laughs> the more the flow charts the better I mean the one great thing about magic I will always say is that if you show up at an event and the event is, you know, some sort of, like, you know, you're qualifying for something, you know what to do, right? You just win as much as possible. And when they stop giving you opponents, then you have, you know, either failed to win enough things or you've won the tournament. And then you just get to go on to the next thing, right? But the, the problem was, is I didn't know what the next thing was, right? So it wasn't like a PTQ because they changed all of the, the, the like, the uh, abbreviations or, like, what it was on Moto or something like that. It's like, do you go to the mocks? Do you go to the Pro Tour? Do you go to this mocks qualifying event? Do you go to the playoff thing? And now it's like, now this flowchart just tells me, all right, just do well in a bunch of things and things will happen. And eventually you get to the top thing. And because uh, all roads lead to the, to the what was it called? The player's final? Or I guess all, all of them lead to worlds. But the player's final is, like, you know, pretty sweet, too. So I'm just curious. Uh, so I'm looking at the flow, literally looking at the flowchart right now. And I'm looking at the WPN Modern Qualifier. Where does the Modern Qualifier fit on the flowchart? Does it fit underneath the WNPQ? Yeah, that's where it would go. Okay, because so, it says WNPQs, PTQs, last year's qualifiers. So the Modern Qualifier feeds that box, basically, right? Yep. So basically what ends up happening is uh, those things where it's like you have to win a tournament to qualify for the, the, the WNPQ is essentially, um, and they can be called WNPQ sometimes, so you have to be kind of careful when you do this. Um, but usually your your LGS will know or whatever. But um, so in your case, you will if you do well at, well enough at your WNPQ, you will qualify for their second, you know, their second round. Mm -hmm. And then if you win that one, you'll get a PTQ. So it's very, very much like the old PPTQ system where you would win a PPTQ and then you go to the RPTQ. And if you won the RPTQ, you get to go to the Pro Tour. Okay. So you do have to like essentially win two tournaments or do really well at two tournaments. Um, but I mean, at least here it, it, it kind of, it doesn't, it missed that part, but um, for the most part, that that's just kind of how it works, I guess. So yeah, the first tournament, all I need to do is top eight the first tournament. And then I get to go to the 32 player um, WPNQ, WPN final qualifier. And then yep. if I do well at the WPN, W. I think you have to win that one. Right, right I have the, to win the, the second person. tournament. So yeah. many letters. Yeah. So basically top eight the first one. That gets me to the second tournament. Win the second one. That's the RPTQ. Too then many go letters. To Got it. Okay. There's just well, so you, many go, you can always go to the arena side where everything's mythic. 
So if you win this mythic thing, then mythic things happen, and then you go to the mythic thing, and then the mythic thing, then you get mythic points, and then mythic qualifiers, and then mythic invitational, and then mythic challenges, and then mm -hmm. you end up as a mythic champion, I think. Right. Yes, if all of those things happen, then we will all be mythic. We just have to gain all, every single letter possible, right? That's all we have to do. Just gain all of the letters, and we'll be there. Just never lose. Yes, collect all the letters. Collect the alphabet, and you will be mythic. Maybe the next rebranding will be Mighty. So everything will be mighty, and I'll just have to be pre-branded, and it'll be great. They'll have to pay me a bunch of money to change my name. That's right. Wait, did I, does that mean I chose the wrong name? Because I don't think anything could be changed over to Conan. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you're effed. You need to you needed to come up with at least an adjective. Dang it! Wait, mighty is an adjective, right? Yes, mighty is an adjective. It does it does describe <laughs> a noun. Nailed it. Can it also describe a verb? That would be an adverb. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But can mighty describe a verb? Mightily. Oh, dang it. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, you know, it, unless the verb was also a noun, like, uh, uh, a, you know, if, if something was, well, no. Now we're getting into English semantics, which I don't think is where this podcast wants to go because we've already yes, gone on I for about an hour. That our tens of listeners do not want to discuss gram grammar in any way. Well, the one adjective I would give this podcast is um, me meandering. That's meandering. That's what I'm going to say today was. Today was a, was a meandering podcast of death of Theros and everything else. I thought the adjective you give our podcast was sassy. I do don't give it that. Just, it don't is. you just say sassy at the end of every podcast? I do. We bookend it with sassy because that's what this podcast is all about. It's about, it's about adjective sass. I thought it was about friends and magic. Oh, Look, Caroline. Whenever I think of myself, idea. I think of myself as sassy. So. <laughs> you no, <laughs> no, Eric. You are many things, but you are not sassy. Well, the one thing Eric is is that he's a streamer, and he can be found streaming a lot of his games of Magic: The Gathering almost uh, every day of the week, which is uh, which is where I kind of want to know. I want to know where we can find all of y'all on the internet. And Conan Hawk, we'll start with you. Where can people find you and the content you produce on the interwebs? So like you said, I stream basically every day, Monday through Friday, as long as I'm not traveling to like one of these Grand Prix or any any events like that. Um, and I usually do it from 10, 10.30 a.m. Central Time to uh, 4.30 p.m. Central Time. And you can find me there at twitch.tv slash Conanhawk. Or you can follow me on social media at, uh, at Conanhawk on both Instagram and Twitter. Nice. And Sean, how about you? Yeah, so I've been streaming. I started streaming over the weekend. I'm going to try to do Tuesday to Saturday. So you can find me at twitch.tv slash Mr. Toolshed and at Mr. Toolshed on Twitter. Um, I'm going to try to stream every day as long as I'm not out of town playing Magic. That would be the only reason I wouldn't be streaming, I hope. Caroline, how about you? Sweet. You can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Mighty Linguini, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays, and I always have a magic guest, though I have not arranged it for this year, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. Uh, we don't always play magic. I will say I also have a Discord um, that is full of fun things, including uh, a little robot that tells you interesting facts about myself. Uh, and I have just recently added, as in, in the last 10 seconds, a room in the Discord to discuss the podcast episodes that you like. So if you're looking for an invitation to that Discord, the best way to do it is just go to my twitch.tv slash linguini and hit exclamation point discord and that should get you a link uh, so you can come on in i think everybody from the podcast is actually in that discord uh so you can feel free to tag them and say hi uh and yeah just just come hang out we do lots of fun things we have a little robot our robot is a moose and we is love ryan moose. no no that's different that ryan is four otters yes he's four oh, he's true. four otters in a trench coat we don't need, as we discussed, moose are actually very, very small creatures, so it would take at least eight moose oh, to yeah. be in a trench coat. Forgot that was on this podcast that we talked about this. That's, why, they're, that's why the plural of them is meeses. Mm-hmm. Correct. They're tiny. Yes, that that's is. That's a moose lie. That, no, that's an absolute fact. No, yeah. if you are going to my Discord and hit moose lie, that's moose lies. That's one of them. But if it's, if it's lying, can you really... 
can you really trust it if it's always lying? Well, it's just one of the commands. There's lots of commands. Well, I know what's not a lie is where people can find me, which is on Twitter and Twitch, <laughs> at Brasky1142. Uh, I'll be start streaming hopefully uh, next week. I can just do kind of a couple of streams a week, which should be a lot of fun. Maybe I could see if any of my fellow podcast folks or any of my fellow teammates from Sugoi will jump on with me because I think it'd be a lot of fun. I see some hands raised on this audio-only podcast, which will be fantastic as well. <laughs> And if you want to meet uh, other members of our team, you can find us at Swagoi Gaming, which is S-W-A-G-O-I dot com. You can also find us on Twitter at Swagoi Gaming, which is S-W-A-G-O-I Gaming. And, of course, if you are listening to this, you can like, uh, subscribe wherever you listen to us, via iTunes or any or Spotify or any other spot that you listen to your podcast. Give us a like. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. And if you are one of the tens of people that listen to this, I dare you. I dare you to give us a review sometime in the next few days. If you give us a review, we'll make sure to shout you out on the podcast. And thank you for doing so. Uh, even if the review isn't that great, even if you're like, yeah, they're okay, but they kind of meander off a little bit and they don't really know what adjectives or adverbs are. Like, that's totally fine. <laughs> Just give us a little bit of review. I really hope it's one of our reviews. That would be great. <laughs> it's like, you know, on their English. great content. <laughs> really loose, loose understanding of the English language. I'm like, fantastic. That's what we need right there. So we hope to see you next week after you give us a review for this wonderful podcast called Friends and Magic. So for everybody else on the cast, I just want to say thank you and Happy New Year to everybody. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Sassy.